Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Monday, it's a new episode of All Rise, the legal drama where one judge is shaking up the system. When I take the bench, I'm taking a vow to fight for justice. One case at a time. Your Honor, we're going to trial. Simone Misick is Judge Lola Carmichael. Up on that bench, everything is different. A new episode of All Rise. Freedom is at stake. It's important. Followed by a new episode of Bull, Monday at 9, 8 central on CBS. Hackers are after your business data. I can help. I am Vi, the virtual intelligence assistant at Virtual Armor. Virtual Armor, partnered with Juniper Networks, provides cybersecurity services and end-to-end solutions to keep what's yours, yours. Defend yourself with managed firewall and managed SIM essential core services that are economical and efficient. Virtual Armor goes beyond just initial alerting to provide a thorough report on threats, vulnerabilities, and results. Let me help protect you. Contact me at JustAskVi. That's V-I dot com. And here we go. My opponent is against oil, guns, and God. I am the Democratic Party right now. 47 years, you've done nothing. Everything Americans value hangs in the balance. We have an obligation under the Constitution to use every arrow in our quiver. This is the most important election in the history of our country. I believe that. This is Devious Motives with Brett Winterbull. And welcome. You're listening to Devious Motives. It is the Devious Motives podcast uh, over at radio.com. You can subscribe, and I would encourage you to do exactly that every chance you get. Well, while other podcasts are certainly taking the weekend off, we are not. We are doing 30 podcasts in 30 days, 30 minutes each, plus or minus. And we're looking at the big stories that are out there moving. And big story number one today has got to be the rally the President of the United States put together there at the White House. Now, traditionally, this would probably not happen at the White House, but we are in COVID land, and COVID land means one thing and one very specific thing, and it's this. It's that all the rules are off the table. You have social distancing. You have people who are uh, not being a part of the process in a traditional way, but you also have a very interesting sort of tribalist move taking place uh, as, as an underscoring reality. And what do I mean by that? Well, today you had the president of the United States celebrating the uh, the law enforcement men and women who are out there trying to keep us safe. That That's a big juxtaposition between uh, them and defund the police, which feels like a fundamentally sort of a, a different orientation towards things, number one. But number two, you also had in Washington, D.C. on Saturday, because this is episode eight, Saturday you had a, a uh, protest march of Blexiteers not Brexiteers, Blexiteers, which are the uh, black activists who want to bail out on this whole sort of thing that's going on out there. So the president of the United States comes out. It's the first time he has now interacted with people in the public. And he's trying to make the case that, look, we have got to get out there and we have got to do our thing and we have got to stand up for law enforcement. And so you're going to hear from law enforcement in just a a few moments. But let's go back to the center part of the mass. The center part of the mass is, of course, whether or not we are allowed to have political rallies. The president, very clever in declaring that this would be a a rally taking place at the White House that was a peaceful protest to support law enforcement, standing in stark contrast, obviously, of what it is that is, is going on in the streets with Black Lives Matter. 
So right out of the box, of course, the experts all go running over to Anthony Fauci. They want to know from Anthony Fauci, is it okay if the president gets out there? Is he infectious? Is he going to get everybody sick? What's going on? How do we thwart this? What do we do? Here's Anthony Fauci uh, being asked about how it is the metric works for having a rally when the president is infected. Let me just um, tell you what the CDC guidelines are for getting people to be able to go back into society. It generally is 10 days from the onset of your symptoms. So apparently he started getting symptoms on Thursday, last Thursday. So that would mean that 10 days from them would be Saturday. The other criteria that people speak about is two negative tests 24 hours apart. And I have to tell you, I don't know what those values are. But from the time frame, he would be within the recommended time frame of the CDC. Good to know, Dr. Fauci, El Faucho, leader of the uh, Fauciist movement. I'm not saying fascist movement. I'm saying the Fauciist movement uh, out there. Everybody has looked to Anthony Fauci to be the great font and wellspring of knowledge and wisdom. But if you actually listen to what he just said, he all he did was he read the requirements and the restrictions off the CDC guidelines and then said, well, if he's, uh, let me just look here real quick here. Okay. All right. Uh, hmm. Yeah. If he's meeting the guidelines, then he's meeting the guidelines and it's totally fine. If he wants to go out there and, and, and do a rally. Well, that, thank you, Dr. Fauci. That's terrific that the president of the United States is able to go out and have the rally in the same way that, oh my gosh, I'm looking at Joe Biden in real time, live time, as I'm recording this on Saturday. Uh, you know, there's there's the, the former vice president in Erie, Pennsylvania, building back better, encouraging people to text PA to 30330. And he's saying the, the, the choice in this election couldn't be more stark. The stakes couldn't be higher. I don't know what that means. And I'm not being a wise guy. I really don't know what that means. But the president gets to do a rally. He gets to go out there and, 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 and rally and work hard and get everybody kind of on the same page. So there was the president of the United States. And he was talking all about his, uh, his, his, his peaceful protest that he wanted to do. He's standing there on the balcony at the White House. I just think this is so terrific, the way it all shakes out. I mean, I, honestly, I just, think it's, I just think it's a wonderful sort of a, a worldview of things. The president's standing on the balcony, and he says this. He actually doesn't start with law enforcement. He starts with energy, the Green New Deal, and what it is that Vice President Biden and, of course, Kamala Harris want to do to our energy independence. Here's what he was saying about those lost jobs that would no doubt manifest. Oklahoma, Texas, North Dakota, all of you, there will be, if it happens, all of those jobs are gone. Your energy jobs are gone if they get in. Just remember I said it, okay? Just remember. Biden, I don't think so either. There's been, and I have to say, there's been more enthusiasm. We have had more enthusiasm right now, right now, this year, than we had four years ago by a factor of three times. And we had a lot. This is a president that knows how to stir the crowd, get them excited, get them fired up, get all those sorts of things that need to happen uh, in this uh, time and in this place. So while that is happening, let me, let me just do an A-B comparison for you. 
While that is happening, Joe Biden is being questioned on a fundamental issue, and that is the idea of court packing. Now, you can sit back and say, well, I don't really care about the court packing. I don't think it's really going to happen. We don't really know. Nancy Pelosi has got the 25th Amendment to take out Trump and or potentially Joe Biden, by the way. Um, and and here's, here's Joe Biden getting very crusty and cranky uh, when it comes to the issues surrounding, surrounding, and you know what I'm talking about here, when it comes to the issues surrounding court packing. Listen to his answer to the reporter. Sir, I've got to ask you about packing the courts. And I know that sure. you said yesterday you aren't going to answer the question until after the election. But this is the number one thing that I've been asked about from viewers uh, in the past couple of days. Well, you've been asked by the viewers who are probably Republicans who don't want me continuing to talk about what they're doing to the court right now. Well, sir, don't the voters deserve to know? No, they don't. Deserve. I'm not going to play his game. He'd love me to talk about and I've, I've already said something on, on Corpac. He loved that to be the discussion instead of what he's doing now. He's about, to, he's about to make a pick in the middle of an election, first time it's ever been done. First time in history it's ever been done. Wow. This is kind of embarrassing, and I'm sorry to have to bring this up. Uh, Mr. Vice President, uh, President Trump already picked somebody named Amy Coney Barrett. He's not about to make a pick. He nominated somebody. And, and and I get that you're kind of mad about that. I understand that you're kind of feeling some kind of way about that. But the fact is, he, he picked somebody. And it's not deceptive to ask that question because you already know where the president stands when it comes to court picks. You can look at Gorsuch. Gorsuch. You can look at Kavanaugh. And you can now look at Amy Coney Barrett. And you can say, wow, okay, we kind of know what's going on here. But you don't want to answer the question for what reason? Your base, Vice President Biden, your base loves the idea of court packing. Your, your base would love the idea of a constitutional amendment to outlaw conservatives nominating justices. I'm, I'm being facetious, but you get what I'm saying. Your, your, your side of the equation would love that. They'd be like, oh, this is great. He's finally taking a stand. We love this. We're, uh, we're so confident that things are going just uh, peachy cane for, uh, for Joe Biden. But when you're asked about it, what do you do? You roast the one group of people who love you more than anybody. That's the press. You say, well, I'd love to talk about this, but the president wants to talk about this. Okay. The president also wants to talk about Wuhan flu. President wants to talk about China. President wants to talk about the border. President wants to talk about jobs. I'm looking at Joe Biden right now, and, and he's doing a rally in Erie, PA, and he says billionaires are paying a lower tax rate than somebody working as a plumber. Does anybody know what the what the flaw is in that argument that that he's making there? So billionaires are paying a lower rate than somebody who's working as a plumber. That should get people upset, right? Because it's 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 a it's a class warfare kind of an argument. But here's why it should get people angry. Billionaires don't draw salaries. Wait, oh, oh did he just say that? Did, did Brett just say that on the air? Yes. Here on Devious Motives, I just said billionaires don't get paid salaries. Do you know how billionaires make their money? You, right there in Cincinnati. That's right. They make their money off of investments. They're, the investment rate, the capital gains rate is all you have to pay. If you're George Soros funding all these district attorneys around the country, trying to put the McCloskeys in prison or anybody else in prison, um, you're, you are not 
you're not making your money off of a wage. You're not making a salary. You are collecting capital gains. You have a hundred million dollars in company X and they're paying you a dividend or they're paying you, um, they're paying out, um, uh, reinvestments. And then all of a sudden the stock goes from a hundred to 200. You've just doubled your wealth. See, plumbers are, are regular people. Plumbers are regular people who, who uh, earn a wage. They earn a salary. They earn a wage. And that gets taxed exponentially more than the capital gains or than the hedge funds carry forwards or any of that sort of stuff. Now, now the president understands that, and he's talked about this. Vice President Biden has come out and has said that the American people want to have a president who understands their struggles. I would contend that Trump understands your struggles. You're, you're overtaxed. You're overregulated. You can't start a business and all of your businesses are shut down. While Joe Biden is promising millions of good paying union jobs, we're going to have welders, pipe fitters, those folks across the spectrum. How are you doing with the police, Joe Biden? What, what do you mean? They're, they're not. You, sure they are. Police officers are, are union jobs. Firefighters are union jobs. Um, first responders are union jobs. You, Joe Biden has this, this impression that he tries to create in your mind that the only people that are union are coal miners with soot on their faces and they're carrying their lunch pails and it's 1937 and it's the Molly Maguires and they're being attacked because of who they are and what they're doing. Thing is... Union people are very important. They're pipe layers. They're pipe fitters. They are people who are working on oil rigs. They are people who are creating energy for the country. They're also truckers who last time I checked, can you raise your hand and help me out here? Last time I checked on the truckers, they're not driving electric trucks. Some of them have been created. Some of them have been invented. Some of them are experimental. But by and large, driving a truck is a dirty, filthy, stinky, awful job when it comes to handling the cargo you're taking hither, dither, and yon. But that's okay. That's okay. I get it. I get it. What you have in front of you are a couple of challenges. And so I'm purposely waiting until the second segment of this program to let you hear what it is that's being said by people who are on the front lines in this class warfare fight. One of the most overlooked places is California, where you have law enforcement, where you have job creators, where you have small businesses, where you have all the things that are hugely important to, to keep the economy going. And do you know who's driving much of the economy in California? Yeah, I know. Rich, rich white millionaires, Brett. The people that look like Bernie Sanders. That's actually wrong. I lived in California for 15, 20 years. In California, the people most concerned about the direction of California and the country are, are people who are Hispanic Americans, Mexican Americans, Latino Americans, whatever subgroup you want to kind of slice and dice and create. These are the people who are worried about the future in California. When you go and meet people who are police officers in California, 
you're very likely to meet Latinos who are police officers. And they had nothing to do with George Floyd in Minneapolis. And Latino police officers have a certain kind of a viewpoint towards things like Black Lives Matter, but more specifically Antifa riots. Antifa riots are carried out by lily white soy boys and girls who come from big money. You saw it in the New York Post about a month ago. These, these wealthy children, spoiled brats who are going into neighborhoods and ruining them. It's about more than virtue signaling. It is about a livelihood. I'm Brett Witterbull. It's Devious Motives. You're listening to Devious Motives. You're listening to Devious Motives. Welcome back. It's the Brett Waterbowl podcast, Devious Motives, and I'm happy to be here with you breaking these different stories down. So let's go over to this. The president doing a, a peaceful protest rally over there at the White House earlier today. It was pretty awesome. It was pretty wonderful. Here is, here is the president of the United States uh, coming out and saying, listen, uh, no matter what you're seeing here, folks, no matter what you're seeing, this is a peaceful protest. Filled with enthusiasm. Oklahoma, Texas, North Dakota, all of you, there will be, if it happens, all of those jobs are gone. Your energy jobs are gone if they get in. Just remember I said it, okay? Just remember. Biden, I don't think so either. There's been, and I have to say, there's been more enthusiasm. We have had more enthusiasm right now, right now, this year than we had four years ago by a factor of three times. And we had a lot. So in the run-up to this rally at the White House, the first big one since the uh, COVID diagnosis and then the trip to Walter Reed, and then, of course, the uh, virtual MAGA rally yesterday on the Rush Limbaugh show, you had the president come on out and he said something very, very clearly. He said, listen, listen. I back the blue. I back the badge. All lives matter. We don't just want to protect protesters, rioters, people destroying property. We don't want that. We don't want any of that. We want it all to be straightforward, straight up, and solid. Great. Well, while he was getting ready to come on out on Saturday afternoon to do his rally, hundreds, maybe thousands, of black and Latino and Asian and uh, Anglo white people were out there in the streets marching around supporting the cops, backing the blue. Now, this is so significant because a hundred nights ago, the country was united on the issues surrounding the death of George Floyd. They were. People said, you know what? That's not right. The cops shouldn't kneel on his neck. They shouldn't kill him. They shouldn't do all that sort of stuff. And of course, we can get into the uh, intricacies of what it was that happened with that incident. But the fact is, people were unified. People were unified. And I think that was a big problem. Because if you have white people getting on board, or Asians, or Latinos, or mixed race people, or LGBTQ, or any of that getting on board, well, now all of a sudden, you're losing your movement. Because it's a universal movement, not a specific grievance movement. It's not 1619. It's not fight the oppressors, tear down Columbus, tear down... Uh, you know, Mary, mother of God statues, any of that sort of stuff. So in Washington, D.C., you had people chanting USA, what USA, what USA, what 
stuff like that. Pro USA chanting, which if you if you listen and you don't listen carefully enough, it sounds like they're saying something obscene. But these are men and women from across the economic spectrum, the political spectrum, the racial spectrum, the social justice spectrum, who are saying they love America. We love America. We're marching. We love America. Now, I don't know where Antifa was. I don't know where Keisha Lance Bottoms was. I don't know where Muriel uh, uh, Bowser was. You don't see any of these people out anymore, do you? But by the way, the governor of Puerto Rico came out last week and endorsed Trump. The governor of Puerto Rico is a Republican. The governor of Puerto Rico said, vote for Trump because that's how we're going to get the help. Otherwise, Biden and Harris are going to continue to ignore us, except for flirting with the idea of us becoming states. So here are, these are the natural sounds, what we call in the radio business, nat sound of the protesters on the streets, chanting for the United States, supporting the president and his message to back up law enforcement. USA! 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 Ladies and gentlemen, that is Washington, D.C. In this climate. There were no BLM people that showed up to disrupt this gathering of people. What does that tell you? It should tell you something very important. It should tell you that when the numbers are stacked in their favor, BLM is really, really brave. BLM is, is all about getting out there when they outnumber the people who would otherwise oppose them. That's the mark of a bully. When you look at this, and the podcast is Devious Motives, it doesn't mean illegal activities, it doesn't mean illegal ideas, it doesn't mean any of that. What it means is cunning and strategic and sort of a plays that you would use to try to win the argument, not through chicanery, but through smarts. Black Lives Matter has gone out and has said, Okay, we're going to partner with Antifa. And what Antifa does is they target locations. Either they go and they fight the cops, knowing full well the cops have to be restrained. The cops cannot deploy whatever weapons they want against these riotous organizations because every one of these members at Antifa... They've got their video cameras. They've got what they call journalists in the crowd. They're not journalists. They're just, they're just propagandists for, for Antifa. So the cops are not able to fight Antifa in the traditional way you would if you were taking on the Hells Angels or MS-13 or some other uh, morally repugnant uh, organization. So the cops are handcuffed. So here's what happens. What happens is Antifa goes into neighborhoods. You saw it uh, at Wauwatosa, Wisconsin over the weekend. Uh, uh, into Friday morning where uh, BLM and Antifa forces went into people's neighborhoods. They were trashing their property. They were smashing windows. They were breaking their stuff until one man came out and said, hey, guys, 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 what are you doing? Why are you destroying this neighborhood in Wauwatosa, Wisconsin? And, and one guy, you know, every other word was the F word and they were throwing fingers and stuff. But the man stood his ground. 
He's a Democrat. He was on Fox News and a number of other outlets. He's a Democrat. And he says, listen, you don't know what neighborhood you're attacking. There are teachers, progressive political people here. There are Democrats in this neighborhood. And you're coming in here to thrash it because you're going off of the white privileged people sort of narrative. That's not right. It's wrong. And you should stop it. And immediately some idiot on his motorbike started, uh, you know, cutting up the guy's lawn. And he's going, what are you doing to me? Why are you doing this to us? We would be your natural allies, but for the fact that you're acting like a bunch of idiots. Finally, they backed down. They moved away. When challenged, when confronted by overwhelming force, this is what happens with Antifa. This is what happens with the progressive revolutionaries. This is what happens with the, with the squad and AOC. So as you look at this big debate that's forming across the country, running up to the presidential election, then afterwards, everybody fits a box, right? White people are privileged unless they get down on their knees and they ask forgiveness from Antifa and then they're okay. There's a lot of subjugation going on here. There's a lot of renunciation going on here. But what happens what happens when you have a, a Latino man outside the White House getting interviewed and talking about one important aspect of this entire political season, the idea of the Latino voter? You didn't hear anything from the Latino voters in the Democratic convention. You heard a little bit from the Republicans. But by and large, in a year that immigration ought to be a big deal, it's not a big deal. It's really not. Why? Well, listen to this man who declined to give his name. Talk about the impact of this revolutionary BLM, Antifa, street violence, intimidation gameplay that's going on out there. He's got a lot to say. And he otherwise would never be on ABC News with David Muir or Nora O'Donnell on CBS or whoever it is over on NBC or MSNBC or CNN, or even Fox News Channel. Listen to this analysis from this man who was on the ground outside the White House watching the Blexit march on Saturday. Uh, we're here for the Blexit event. We're here to back the blue. We're here to destroy the mainstream narrative that, uh, that minorities want to get rid of our law enforcement. We don't. Not at all. I'm from Los Angeles, California. 50% of LAPD officers are Hispanic or Latino. These are our people. These are our people. These are jobs. We're in the middle of a pandemic right now. They want to take away jobs from hardworking Latinos and Hispanics. How are they going to feed their families? It's a very small minority, extreme people that don't even live in our communities, that come into our communities to advocate for abolishing the police. I mean, what was it, like a year ago? We're asking to, 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 uh, uh, for police in schools, right? We're asking for police in schools to defend against mass school shootings. And now, fast forward a year later, and we're asking to abolish the police in schools. That is a huge, huge point that this man just made. Not going to get on TV. Soundbite's too long. He's telling you what he thinks. We don't need that. We need the we, we need NRA people with NRA hats out there talking about how they don't like people of color. That's what we need. That's, that, that's what we need. No, it's not what you need. You need truth. The press is woefully weak in these regards. Woefully weak. And they don't even seem embarrassed by it. So I, I said on my radio show on Friday on News Talk 1110-993-WBT that you would think that immigration would be a bigger issue than it has been during this cycle. And you would, you would expect that, right? Except it's not. 
And so this man who's talking about, hey, wouldn't you want cops in your classrooms or in your schools, given the fact that there were all these uh, school shooting events and all these sorts of dangerous things that were happening? Well, of course, yeah, you would, of course, think that. But that's not the case. Why? Because it's not convenient. Now the cops are the enemy. Now the cops are bad. This man who's talking about being a part of the walkaway movement, the Blexit movement, he's a Hispanic man. And he's saying, listen, there's a bunch of cops who are Latins. There's a bunch of people who want to live their lives. They want, to, they want to be left alone. And then he issues what I think is the coup de grace. Why are the Democrats encouraging people to come to this hellhole of a country when it comes to being abused and killed by the cops and victims of racism and all that kind of stuff? Why would George Soros and the progressive left be saying, hey, if you're an illegal, come to the United States, come and just get citizenship. It's going to be awesome. Check it out. Here's what he says. This is this man is a Latino. Listen, why would we want them under this regime, this fascist regime under the most hateful president? They're not. They're advocating for them to come. And what are Democrats doing? They're saying, we'll give you everything for free. College, health care. We'll make sure that you're well taken care of. All you got to do is just cross that border. We'll take care of you. Sanctuary cities. Are you kidding me? Unbelievable. That man will never be on television. That man would be mocked by Lawrence O'Donnell and and, 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 and the rest of the characters on cable news channels. You know why? Because he doesn't, he doesn't check their boxes. He's not a radical Latino. He's not part of Mecha. He's not part of some overthrow movement. He didn't go to Harvard. He didn't go to Yale like Chris Cuomo and all these other really spectacular people on the cable channels. He's just a guy who traveled from California. And he traveled from California following his, his beliefs, his ideals, his ideas, wanting to keep this country strong. It's an incredible thing. See, under normal circumstances, you'd welcome a diversity of ideas, but not today. See, in the modern era, the billionaire is the enemy of the poor person. Even when the billionaire is attempting to help people in the working class to hold themselves up by their bootstraps. In the real world, the billionaires, the billionaires who is the Speaker of the House would, would be somebody who would want to be a much more kind and charitable person in Speaker Pelosi, but instead she's just interested in getting hers. See, in, in, in a perfect world, Dianne Feinstein, these leaders from San Francisco would actually be progressive and want to lift people up, but instead what they want to do is shut down businesses. And they want to tell you it's your fault. Because you're not doing what they told you to do. This election isn't about black people or white people. It's not about LGBTQ people. It's not about Republicans or Democrats. This election is about one thing and one thing only. And I'm dead serious when I say it. It's about control. It's about control of you and your children. Letting you know that while you can make some decisions, you can't make all the decisions. In my mind, that's totally out of touch. It's wrong. It's limiting. We, the American people, get to determine our own fate, our own future. We get to risk and gamble, sometimes recklessly, but most times in a way to make our position better in life. The Democratic Party sells themselves as the great defenders of the downtrodden, when in reality, 
They're interested in the downtrodden only when the downtrodden can help them accumulate power. It's a billionaire versus a career politician running in this election. The choice is yours. How are you going to vote? I'm Brett Witterbull. It is Devious Motives. Devious Motives with Brett Winterbull. Monday, it's a new episode of All Rise, the legal drama where one judge is shaking up the system. When I take the bench, I'm taking a vow to fight for justice. One case at a time. Your Honor, we're going to trial. Simone Missick is Judge Lola Carmichael. Up on that bench. Everything is different. A new episode of All Rise. Freedom is at stake. It's important. Followed by a new episode of Bull, Monday at 9, 8 central on CBS.